I had the experience uh, just a couple days ago to go shopping with Piper and we had a girls night because oh, the boys were doing uh, boy things and he was going to a party and uh, boy things boy things Harry Potter birthday party <laughs> which was, which was <laughs> boy things <laughs> Welcome to The Honesty Policy, episode 11. I'm Patrick. And I'm Sarah. And this is a podcast about honest things. Whatever we're obsessed with, you'll get our honest thoughts. And today, we're going to sort of share wisdom and advice that we wish we could have given our teenage selves if our teenage selves had the ability to listen to advice. Ah, why are you coming from the future? (laughs) Why do you look like me except so old? Ah! So... Uh, I actually was speaking to an older individual at the church that I serve, and this person had been in and out of the hospital multiple times recently with health scares, um, a stroke, blood pressure issues, heart palpitation, that kind of thing. And she actually came to church this morning, and I stopped her and said, hey, um, how are you doing? How are you feeling? Asked all the things that you need to ask. And she seemed joyous. And I said, you know, you really, with all that scary stuff, you you seem joyful and not afraid. And she laughs, reaches for my arm and squeezes it. And she said, honey, I am learning lessons every day. And God is teaching me things every day. And the one thing that I have realized is the only things I have control over is what I put in my mouth and what comes out of my mouth. And I laughed and she said, no, I'm serious. She said, I can't even fully control how many beats my heart beats. Even though I eat healthy, I can't control whether I have full-on stamina or my brain is there or whatever. Um, so it got us to talking about advice and things we learn. And sometimes it takes a lifetime to learn. Sort of things we didn't know as teenagers or we thought we knew. Well, and we're entering a season where as our kids are finding out who they are and coming to be who they are, and they are very much like us. Oh, yeah, it's frightening. And uh, we are, it, it is causing us to reflect on what would I, what could have been helpful. If I had had ears to hear, what would have been helpful to hear to maybe sidestep some of the ridiculous stuff that I drove into Oh, yeah. I mean, many of us, I I say many of us, for me, especially in parenting, I can remember, I still can remember my thoughts and feelings that I had as a teenager. And so I find myself going, oh, my gosh, I remember this. I remember this anxiety or I remember this stress or this guilt or whatever it is. The first time you lied to your parents and get caught, like you remember that moment of, oh, my gosh. And so now to be the parent of in that situation, it definitely changes how you see things. And I want us to be not, I say good parents, we already are good parents, but I want to be intentional in our parenting that might be able to help them, not in ways that our parents didn't, but in ways we've learned because we are, they are us. I mean, if you meet our children, you know exactly who they belong to. And we used to think it was very defined. One was very much like you and one is very much like me, but yet as they grow into who they are, it's, they're melding both you and I into them. But it's kind of eerie to look and go, whoa, okay, no, I've I've been in this position before and now I'm, I'm on the other side. I mean it's not the same. It it we we acknowledge that the world is so different now. Oh, and yeah. trying to we aren't trying to force our view on on our kids, but we are trying to if they had ears to hear, here was where I lost a lot of time and effort and space and if this is helpful for you, then I'd love for you to make different mistakes than I made. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So what we're going to do is we're going to sort of go back and forth between some of the advice we would give our younger self and talk about it. You know, you talk about getting in trouble as a teenager. I've told this story two or three times this week just randomly, and so it's on my brain. Uh, one of the ways I got in trouble as a teenager was I would just leave the house. You know, I could drive. So I would just leave the house without telling anybody, without telling anybody oh or saying goodbye. And, you know, eventually, like my dad had to be like, OK, 
we we need you to just let us know <laughs> when you're going you know when you're not upstairs in your room that's right no cell phones none of that kind of oh, yeah, you can't yeah. track yeah, anything yeah. and and just the complete obliviousness of me not being mean me. on purpose mm-hmm. but just the complete obliviousness of I need to be somewhere else right now. So I'm going to move from this place to that new place and walk out the door and do that. And thinking about it as, you know, on this side and thinking about how you would lose your ever loving oh mind. Oh gosh, yes. If one of our kids did that. Oh which, my gosh, yes. Which, which means I need to give advice <laughs> to our son. Because, you need to be glued in there, bud. <laughs> because this will this will end worse for you than it did for me if this were to happen. So, yeah. but I I think about that of just I really would just go. Oh, I do need to be over here now. And I wasn't. It wasn't. I was doing anything bad. Think about your brain was in a different place. Yeah, like I need to go to practice or I need to go to wherever. So I got up and went to wherever, and you know, just didn't tell your parents where you were going. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, goodness. So you're welcome. There's something to look forward to for you. Ooh, no, no, we're not going to get there. Mm-mm. We're going to let him sit down and listen to this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> so do you want to start off with one of your pieces of advice you would, advice you would give your younger self? Absolutely. Uh, so one of the ones that, you know, and these are obviously still works in progress, right? Of like, course. But it, it is helpful to have them named and be able to reflect and journal and think about them. Um, but one of the ones that I've been working on is the sort of the understanding of listen to the fear, but don't be paralyzed by it. And Mm. so for me, ever since I was little, if there was something that I didn't think I was going to do perfectly at the very start of my doing it, I didn't want to even try because one of the ways the, the neural pathways that I built was if I do things well and get your attention for doing it well, I will get love. And so if I do something and I'm not good at it or do something and not even not good at it, not the best mm-hmm. at it, I need to not do it. So any situation where I couldn't be sure I was the best, any situation where there was a possibility that things could really go sideways there would be this fear, and I didn't recognize it as such at the time, but it was real fear creeping in that I could do this. I know I could do it, but I don't know that I'm going to be good at it. And if I'm not good at it... You're not even going to try. I'm not even going to try. And so it it showed up in all kinds of random ways and places. The things that I said no to or pretended to be sick to get out of or all the different ways in which... I didn't want to test myself because I was so afraid of what would happen if I had done, if I did whatever the thing was and wasn't good at it. And it has taken, you know, all of these things you feel embarrassed by because you're, you know, there's a part of your brain that's like, okay, this is not. But, you know, so I was going to say it's taken me an embarrassingly long, but it's 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 not not, really. It's just part of the process of me growing has been. This right here is the fear talking and the fear is paralyzing me. And so I, I, I frame it that way of you still need to listen to the fear. It's a bad idea to put a fork in a light socket. I mean, there, it's a bad idea. to. You walk, should have fear with that. Yeah, you don't walk outside and swing golf clubs in the in thunderstorms or whatever. I don't know why everything's electricity based. Well, but maybe there's, that's the fear. <laughs> the fear's talking. You're afraid, afraid of electricity. But so you listen to it. You don't pretend like it's not there. But I am working to be more aware so that I am not so paralyzed by that element of fear that I don't allow myself to experience all of these incredible experiences that God brings to me. You know, we talked, we did last week about theater. Yes. And I mentioned about the Hello Dolly thing. Yes. And there's, I even pulled up the soundtrack and listened to it in the car several times this week in the afternoon when I'm driving back from work because I regret that. I regret what an experience that could have been. I may not have gotten the Dolly part, but I would have, I think I would have really enjoyed. Even just being in the cast. Just being in the cast and being in the costumes and the pretend of it all. And I don't have that in my story to tell. And also it made me also think about, I wish I had taken the time to learn an instrument. I allowed one teacher to tell me that I wasn't going to be good at playing the flute because my lips were too big, is what they said. No, okay, okay. You got it. You can't just drop that. You got to tell this story now. So I was in in Owensboro, Kentucky at the time, and it, 
no, I was in Louisville, Kentucky in the time. And there it was like fourth grade. You could start playing certain random instruments that you would be able to do in band if you were in middle school and high school, which I think is the same thing they do about now, fourth or fifth grade. Um, but I had a dream of playing the flute. And I don't know why. It seemed feminine and girly, and I loved the sound of it. And I love that you could pick out the, the, the flute in an orchestra. It was the right higher it's, notes that you the, could hear the flutter. The trill and yes. flutter of it, yeah. I couldn't express that as a teenager. I just thought it was cool. And I, did, I liked, I remember I liked it, that they held it off to the side so they had to have a wider space. Like it was more space for them than a person who's just playing in front of them. I don't know why my brain thought that was interesting. But I longed to play the flute. And I went to the very first practice where you got to try the different instruments. You got to try a trumpet. You got to try a violin. You got to try like. I think that I remember them being on a table with a whole yeah. bunch of different instruments yep. and everyone got a turn trying something out and the director walked you through it. And there was maybe 15 kids of us that were there. So it wasn't a huge group, but we were all got to try. And I was adamant in confident Sarah tone that I was going to try the flute. And I got up there and he goes, no, 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 you can't do the flute. And I, you hadn't even had a chance. I hadn't, he wouldn't even let me try it. And I said, why? And he said, your lips are too fat. And I, I'm in fourth grade. I was like, what? And he said, no, you'll block up the hole. So maybe we should try the trumpet. And I'm like, that's a boy instrument. And my brain was like, that's yeah, where it was. Yeah. But I was, I went home crying. My mom wrote a letter or something like that. To the, uh, that was before emails, but was not pleased that that's what he said to I me. Can't, but I can't I, imagine your mom's Like, uh, no, I can imagine. <laughs> Actually, I can. I but can't imagine. I... It dropped there. Yes. I never picked up an interest. Now, luckily, I did sing, and I was in choirs and chorus, and I loved that. But they talk about if someone who sings in the choir or plays an instrument, if they do both, their both abilities are even stronger because you understand playing in a group Mm. if you're playing an instrument. If you sing in a choir, you learn how to. There are studies that actually talk about, I was talking about this with uh, our music minister. Oh, really? There are studies that if you sing in a choir or play an instrument and only do one, you will actually enhance your abilities in both if you chose to do both options. Even if you're not the greatest singer or the not greatest musician, you will understand all elements of playing within a band or an orchestra or with singing within a choir. And I... I regret and wish I had done that. But my fear of what some person said over me stopped it in its tracks. And I didn't, I never explored it. And I regret to this day that I wish I had done that. You let that moron's yes. decision. Yeah, I don't even remember what the teacher's name was. Frame. Yes. That's, and, and it's tragic and it's infuriating. At Elementary School in Louisville, Kentucky. And, and you hate to think how often that happens. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. So 100%, very good advice. I wish we would have had years to hear it as teenagers. Uh, For mine, um, this one's a hard one, and this one's a lesson I'm going to be probably until the day I die, is that I am beautiful. Um, I had the experience uh, just a couple days ago to go shopping with Piper, and we had a girls' night because the boys were doing uh, boy things. Andy was going to a party, and... Boy things. Boy things. Harry Potter birthday party. <laughs> which was, which was <laughs> Boy things. It's not girl things, okay? So Boy things. <laughs> like shooting little guns. Yeah, with... that's the noise you make when you do boy things. <laughs> sure. So Piper and I did what inevitably we girls do is we decided to go to dinner and shopping. You don't mean all girls everywhere. You mean you no. two as the... As the two of us. Yeah. We, we <laughs> like to go perusing into stores. And it gave me a chance to help her get stuff for summertime. We all know the joy with, if you're a parent of kids, it's every spring you've got to get them ready for summer clothes. Every, you know, end of summer you've got to get them ready for the fall and winter clothes. It's a drill because they're constantly growing and our kids are going to be humongous, tall kids... And I'm not ready for it. So I got this opportunity to be with Piper and just she and I. And we got to shop and we got to laugh. And one of my favorite memories of my time with my mom, even to this day, is we get to laughing in a changing room because we get stuck in a piece of clothes that was too small for you or whatever. And it becomes, my mom was always great about laughing off if something didn't fit. And I didn't realize until I was an adult what she was doing. But sitting in there with Piper and trying on clothes... 
watching her, I can see when she's looking at herself, she even didn't look in the mirror because she didn't love what she saw. And I remember doing that. Like it was that weird, we were in Old Navy and I remember her, her looking at me to try on to see what I thought of the outfit. I'm like, Piper, look at the mirror and see what you think. She's like, huh. And she turned around and looked at the mirror and I could feel off of her all the things that go through your head when you're standing in front of the mirror in a changing room that you liked this article of clothing, but when you put it on yourself, you didn't like yourself. And I, I felt all those things. And she and I had a moment where we, we talked about the insecurities and the parts that we don't like about ourselves and how hard it is when we're, I was always chunky and I was always bigger and I had lots of friends who were super skinny and I'm never going to be skinny. And I, this is not a lesson I've learned. I am still learning, but I, that I am beautiful in, Mm in my skin today, and I was beautiful in my skin then, I wish I could have saved years of anguish and tears over not being happy with my body and not being happy with what I presented to the world because it didn't match whatever the world is. And now as an adult, even though I still have insecurities, there's a part of me that also goes, I don't care. You know, like I don't care because now I see how messed up the world is in its opinion of everything and how it's not truth. Yeah. But as a teenager, all you see is what other people say and, and their truth is what it's on television or whatever. And I wish I had ears to hear that then. And I wonder if it would make it better, easier for me today. But in having that moment with Piper, it was, it was real in realizing that, oh my gosh, she really is just like me. But then and you not. Are, and then I want to help her. But you also understand the futility of just It saying, doesn't matter what I say. And right. I told her. And I, it doesn't matter. I know you're not going to hear me in this. One day, hopefully, you're going to remember. So let's, let's laugh about something. So I, again... Pulling on my mom, I got a dress that was too small of size. And I knew it was too small of size, but I wanted to see myself get stuck in it so that she would see me get stuck in it and so that we would laugh about it because my mom did that. And it made the world for me. So, so yeah, I wish that I had ears to hear. I'm beautiful and I'm okay. So that's heavy. That's hard, but... It's true. It's, it's truth. That's what yeah. you... That's some of my advice for myself. All right. Let's, you go next. <laughs> I feel like we've done good work here. It's good therapy. I know. <laughs> and by the way, you're, you don't struggle with that anymore because I tell you you're beautiful. And I so still... you just completely believe it. Oh, boy. Okay. We should do a whole other podcast on that. Cause uh, wh- what? It's still a struggle. Yeah. Yeah, I know. But your voice is louder in my head if that makes you feel any better. That's just because I yell. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that too. (laughs) Uh, All right. So uh, my next one is uh, if we're now in the area of things. Emotions? Well, no. Ooh. You're not going to share your emotions? I'm not going to share my emotions. Come on. on. Uh, Is something that we recognize still hasn't, you know, been solved but we at least are aware as a thing uh so for me working harder isn't always the solution so Mm. my go-to is not you know everything's on a continuum there are some people who need to be told hey you need to work harder you need to work harder (laughs) you need to actually work right (laughs) harder would imply that you worked before and i need you to actually do something right uh but you know you you uh, you don't tell an alcoholic that just kick back with your few drinks because yeah. it'll be fine. Yeah. Like wherever you are on the spectrum, you need yes. to have your advice tailored for that. So for me, my go-to is to work and my go-to is to work hard. And if something isn't clicking in my world without even realizing it, my immediate thought is if I just work harder at this, if I spend more hours doing mm-hmm. it, if I spend more time on it, if I talk about it more. Dig deeper. Yeah, I'm going to dig down deeper, I'm going to work harder, and I'm going to crack this nut. I'm going to solve this thing, I'm going to figure it out. And there are so many things in life that just working harder didn't solve. Yeah. It, you know, you're, uh, there's there's this quote, uh, I think I think it's Kierkegaard. Um, I'm not going to fact check you. Okay. 
that was uh, talking about if you have gotten on the wrong train and the train is going the opposite direction that you need to go, it doesn't matter if you run in the aisle of the train. Going in the right direction. Going in the right direction. <laughs> it doesn't matter how fast you run that way. Um, you're going in the wrong yeah. direction. The train is taking you in the wrong direction. And I think about that with this of when I realize I'm going in the wrong direction, I'm going to work harder. Instead of sitting on the train, I'm going to run the opposite mm. direction, trying to get back where I need to go. But sometimes, you know, like the train, like sometimes you got to stop. Yeah. And sometimes you have to exit what you're doing. Mm. Sometimes you just have to eject from whatever it is you are and where you are in order to sort of reorient and go in the right place and go in the right way. And that always for me was equated with failure. Mm. So, you know, and I'm, I'm failures, scene number one, failures not allowed. So, so this sense of you just got to work harder and, you know, especially with something that is so relational and, um, hard to quantify like ministry. Why, why are fewer people coming to church to right church. now? Yeah. Is it because, you know, fewer people are coming to church all in across? General? Yeah, yeah. Like, or is there something going on in your church? Is, is it me? Is it me? Yeah. Is it COVID? Is you know, right. like, is right. it, why isn't anyone coming? Well, when you have to sit six feet apart and stay masked up and everybody's already angry and yeah. like no one wants to come and do like quasi church like that. Mm-hmm. Or is it, is there some real dysfunctional problem that is keeping people from seeing the welcome of Jesus in this place? What, whatever it is, the reaction of I'm just going to work harder until we solve this doesn't always get there that, you know, the, the example of Jesus, of Jesus would stop and spend the evening praying, or he would take a nap, or he would, you know, he was not, you know, hustle so, culture. I'm doing this Bible study, um, and the person in the book comments on something that Dallas Willard, a question Dallas Willard asked him, and it is, it shook me this week. I'm um, looking at, he, Dallas Willard asked, um, the gentleman and who could you describe Jesus in one word? And the book is called your best life in Jesus, uh, by Craig, sorry, by Bill Gaulti, Gaultier. I can Gaultier. G-A-U-L-T-I-E-R-E. It's called your best life in Jesus. <laughs> I feel like I nailed it. Your best life in Jesus is easy yoke. Rhythms of Grace to De-Stress and Live Empowered. And in this very first chapter, Dallas Willard is a famous author, speaker, theologian, all the above. All the above. And Bill was a student of his. And they sit down and Bill has this idea of a book. And he's written a couple books before. And he has this idea about this easy yoke, Jesus' easy yoke. And he writes up the manuscript and has Dallas Willard read it and... Dallas said, oh, it's it's really good. It's really great. Um, he said, just answer me one question. If you could explain Jesus in one word, what would you do? And what would, word would you come up with? And Bill writes, I would think, love and grace and mercy and joy. And he could save your man. I could come, how do you choose one word? And he says, I was almost confounded of how can you come up with one word to describe Jesus Christ? And so he looks at Dallas and Dallas like, can you come up with one? And, and Dallas, uh, and Bill says, well, no, there's too many to think of. And he said, well, I've got one. Do you know what mine is? And Bill's almost like, okay, all right, what's your word? <laughs> and he says, relaxed. And even reading that, Dallas Willard said that the one word he would use to describe Jesus was relaxed. I felt like, oh, I don't know about, I don't know about that. You know, like. Is it like reading the boundaries book? Oh, it is. It's You could tell it's. It's pointing fingers. We're putting it. We need, it needs to go in that penalty box yes. with the other books. Yeah. That, uh... <laughs> but this, the relaxed piece, with your advice that you would give yourself about working harder, that's also my go-to is to dig deeper and just keep going. And eventually you'll get your head above water. You know, like I need to at least get air at some point, but nope, I'm just going to keep on doggy paddling. And eventually yeah. I've got to hit the surface, that kind of mentality. And in this book, it, that it, shows that Jesus was 
relaxed and non-hurried because Jesus trusted in God and in the process. And it made me sort of self-evaluate that as a younger student in my faith, I didn't understand the importance of self-evaluation. And you're, you know, you're talking about, we need to acknowledge the fear. We need to acknowledge, we don't have the ability sometimes to examine what we're feeling in that moment. And we need to take that time. Not everything is do or die in our decision-making and in what we're doing. So I, what you're speaking on and your advice resonates with me tremendously because all I ever knew and know is working harder. And Jesus Christ is relaxed. He was unhurried because he trusted God. His identity was yeah. already formed and unfazed. We we yeah. had a uh, we had a new Bible study start during our Bible study hour mm-hmm. at my church, and so it uh, took a bunch of people from the Bible study I lead, mm-hmm. and they wanted to go over there. And you know, there's not a we're not a the, competition. Yeah, it's not a competition. It's not a big deal. But some of the people who were left were sort of gently teasing, like, "Oh, are you gonna?" Are you going to be upset? You, you all right? You all right? They did it this morning. They were saying it. And I found myself saying, without even realizing what I was saying, is my identity is not tied up by how many of you show up for this Bible study. And I, 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 I didn't say it not in a mean way. Yeah. Not in a mean way. But, and, and I actually had to stop and think and go, it really isn't. That I, I know that I am doing what I am supposed to be doing. I know that I have good reasons for why I'm doing this and, and good reasons for why that new one has started and good reasons for all the things that we're doing. And if God wants three people to show up to mine and 47 people to show up for the other, that really is okay. Mm-hmm. And that, boy, that is not a teenage me saying no. that. But the you having the self-evaluation in it now, where in the past you wouldn't have even acknowledged or been able to acknowledge that you had feelings in the midst of all those things. Yeah. All you would have gone to was, okay, I've failed because I'm not doing what everybody yes. needs me to be doing. Yeah, so I don't have one class that every person wants to come to. <laughs> so I wouldn't have even allowed myself yeah. to have, it would have felt like an excuse to say that class that's starting over there is drawing people over because they really like that guy who teaches really well and he had not done one before and yeah. everybody likes him and they're excited about this thing. And anytime you start something new, there's going to be okay. people who go... I would not have allowed myself any of that. I would have, and these these church members love me. They of were course, gently yeah. sort of teasing, yeah. and because uh, they also tease me that I never start my Bible study on time, and <laughs> and so one of them said, "Well, I, I bet you he actually started on time, and that's probably why they have so many people." And <laughs> and I know, <laughs> and I can. I'm above that, but ouch! <laughs> <laughs> Teenage me would have been very mad at you, uh, but but it it really was a. Uh, it really was a moment where I could see that kind of I don't I don't have to be wrapped up in this, and my immediate doesn't have to be defensive. It doesn't have to be I don't have to fire back something snarky. I don't have to be thinking in my brain, okay, how do I recoup all these people? I don't need to steal them. Yeah. I need to grab yeah. new people in so yeah. that I you know and and that sense of uh, what's it relaxed or unhurried? What was the word? The relaxed. G- relaxed. Yeah. That that sense of You know what it makes me think of? It makes me think uh, I have this image of like splashing around, feeling like you're drowning and not realizing that the water's about calf deep. Yeah, it's like you're in a puddle. You're sitting in a puddle. Yeah, but you are splashing around and you think if you just splash harder and faster, you'll be saved. But in reality, you stop. And in stopping, you can assess where things are and have a better sense of reality. So, Especially there are some things that you can work really hard, but it's meant to die. Like, yes, let's, that, we could do a whole podcast on that within ministry. There are some things that it's okay to put it down and for it to stop. You know, yeah. you have, I'm still on soccer practice and we're doing soccer practice for these two traveling teams because we think this is what we need. But my kid doesn't, I have to fight my kid to get it in there and all. <laughs> right. Like, it's That's okay right. for sometimes for the thing, whatever the thing is. To die, there, to stop. It was there for a season, not yeah, for a lifetime. That's and it. That's a hard lesson to learn. And teenage us would never have gotten that. that Adult I, us can't get it. That me. idea of seasons yeah. is, uh, is, is there challenging. There is a season to 
Sorry, I had to sing. Did you just make that up? Off the top of my head. Goodness gracious. You are incredible. (laughs) Someone should marry you. (laughs) You already did. Too late. (laughs) All right. So one of... uh, Another one for me um, is it's okay to not know exactly where you're heading in life. Well, as someone who gets lost frequently, I can, <laughs> I agree with you. That's your life verse, right? There, That's life words. Right. Teenage me was already on board with that. <laughs> Where, where are we going? I don't Just I tell don't. me, left or right out of the driveway. Yeah, like, so that's, I mean, that's the story yeah, is yes. I asked, when I started driving, I asked my dad, like, how do I get to this place? And he starts just naming street names, like I'm some sort of, like, Atlas or Lewis <laughs> and Clark or something. And and I waited. You listen. You I, I did. I waited till he got done. And then I said, okay, when I get to the end of the driveway, do I turn left or right? <laughs> and he started laughing and just sort of hung his head. And he tells that story and we it's well it's very true to you it, it is like it, but not to take not to take your thunder but teenage me already knew i didn't know where i was going so go ahead but i have different friends who have children who are at the stage of life where they're doing their senior prom and they are making decisions on where to go to college yeah. and in conversations with these individuals, or even not, just seeing on Facebook, you know, the parents are showing pictures of, oh, my, this is my baby, and now my baby's getting ready to be done with school. They only have so many more days left of their senior year. And I I remember graduating high school thinking I had my stuff together. <laughs> I knew exactly what I was going to go to college for yeah. and what the trajectory, the trajectory of my life was going to be. And I am so far, so far gone. You like, were you were never leaving, right? Like I was were... never leaving Bowling Green, Kentucky, and I was going into Western Kentucky University to be a teacher. Mm-hmm. And then it was within my first month of freshman year classes that I switched to psychology. Sure. And then after psychology, I switched back. To, I switched to well to counseling education counseling, okay. and then I switched. This is all in my first semester and then i and i'm like official like go to the office change the paperwork fill out all the paperwork and then i landed on outreach what was it called uh it was basically the state version of a ministry thing it was like not pe but more like how to do camps and group stuff and I don't, I don't even know what the title was. Like a secular was. kind of... Yes. I mean, okay. now, I was gearing it towards, I'm going to do something in ministry, I right. think. And I didn't you love know... sports, so... Yeah. I don't even know what ball goes with what thing. But <laughs> I, it was the only thing I could find in a state school that only... Because I had tried a religious class, because I eventually landed in, I think I'm going to do something with ministry. But I had not great religious professors in college that... Uh, that We could do another podcast on that. I share all this. My idea of where I was going and how I was going to get there, I had no idea. And I I was constantly changing and trying to figure it out and try to decipher where, where God was leading me. And while at the same time learning how to listen to God and figure out what I want and what I'm good at. I've done, I did the career aptitude test thinking I should do blah, blah, blah. I didn't know. And it was build the car while you're driving down the road kind of thing. And that's okay. I mean, especially for students today, some of them are going to really expensive universities right off the bat. And one of the things I, we have a great community college down the road Mm -hmm. that you can test out some things. And we just found out that the seniors in high school here can take classes for free at the community college. Like, Try it on for a little bit yep. and see. And with the understanding that nobody has all their stuff figured out at the first stage. And that's okay. And whether it's your job or your schooling, college education, whether it's relationships, like it's okay to not know exactly everything right off the bat. You're going to be figuring out life's a journey. You know, you're going <laughs> to figure it out. And it's okay to not have all your ducks in a row before you leave. I mean... I, I I spent a lot of time struggling because I, I felt horrible. I'm, I'm wishy-washy. I gave myself the title of being wishy-washy because I couldn't quite nail down what I wanted to be for the rest of my life because it was going to be one finite thing. And it hasn't gone anything like what I planned. And I don't regret a bit of that. 
I know what God was doing. And I see how God was moving in ways I didn't know. And has used each piece. Each piece of it. Y'all, he's even pulling up that shoplifting training that I've gotten or the the trying to sell LuLaRoe and random things. Like, he's used all the pieces. But when I think I have to have all my pieces together and have it all figured out before I step out, I've already lost the game. Like, there's not, it's about the journey, not the destination. See, I'm the just real, coming up with these, all these top. The okay. real treasures, the friends we made along the way. <laughs> Man, you and I are really good at writing these things. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Someone should write them down. Put it on a pillow. Mm-hmm. So, for me, that's one that I think I wouldn't have had ears to hear, but I wish I had. I wish I would have yes. saved myself time. In yes. That. Okay. Uh, this one is one that I actually uh, learned from you. And oh. it is... Because I'm so wise. That's it. It actually... You know, when when we first started talking, you were so different than anybody else that I had talked to. You had this confidence about you, this humility, but this confidence about, I know I I don't want to mess around. I know what I'm about and I know who I am, even if I don't know exactly where I'm going or what it looks like. You had no idea. I was barely hanging on to the tightrope that I'm on, but I'm, I'm figuring it out. Yeah. And you, you you had this confidence and, and you had these non-negotiables in your life and these Mm -hmm. things that mattered tremendously. And, uh, you know, it's, it led to us and all this, it led to the podcast, it led to the title of the podcast with honesty policy. And so for me, the advice I would give is have the difficult conversation Mm. because I prided myself on telling people what they wanted to hear so that everybody could stay happy with me. And, you know, everyone's seen this movie for a while. It all works great until it doesn't work great and then everything kind of crashes and burns and you aren't left with anything that you're proud of and so it it, obviously other people in the past had modeled this that I had just not paid as much attention to but being able being so close to you and seeing how often you and and you know there's a science and an art to this like you don't just do it to be mean you're not just i'm about to unload on everybody cuz honesty is everybody my honesty cuz honesty is my thing like that's not what you're doing no. but you are willing to risk the momentary awkwardness and the the momentary uncomfortability yes in order for the long-term health of the relationship. And it has blown up in your face tremendously. Oh gosh, so many times. And But then other times, it's been yes. life-changing in the relationship. Well, and that's it. The, the number of relationships where it took something that was a fine relationship to something really incredible and meaningful, I never had those. I kept everything safe, and so everything was sort of a safe kind of relationship, except for just a few people who really saw my stuff. And honestly, some of those, I couldn't hide it. You know, in in the parts of my life where stuff was just shown everywhere, even, and I didn't want it shown, and these people kept showing up for me, you know, Ben and Tammy, David and Julia, these people who... Jimmy Plunkett. Jimmy Plunkett, and who were there... And, and I couldn't, I just couldn't hide. I couldn't pretend like everything was okay. And they kept showing up. I didn't, I still didn't really get until watching you the, the importance of having that honest conversation. And it is incredible what a, in one sense, dumb thing this is. Like, okay, you should tell the truth. Neat. But in another sense... Nobody likes to say awkward things. Nobody wants yeah. to mess up a moment that's positive with something that could really be hurtful. And when you talk to people who do this, like and like we just said, yeah. some of it's really going to blow up in your face. And you are going to lose what you thought of were friendships. Oh, yeah. There's multiple times I've tried taking a chance of like, okay, I'm going to step out one more and I'm going to be fully honest. And you watch the wall go up (laughs) and the daggers come out on the outside of that wall. Like, nope, don't come. You're not breaching my wall. And then you get poked and jabbed and they turn on you and say some hard things. I, uh, I, I was hungry for minister friends 
and uh, a new minister moved into town and uh, their church was near where my church is. Our kids got connected. We went out to, so he and I went out to coffee one time. We had a really nice time at coffee and I Thought you're gonna try it, and I, I, well, I didn't even think about trying. It's like I'm around you. This is what we do. We talk about honest things. So I, I talked about how you know it's incredibly lonely, and how meaningful it was to be able to have this time. And you know, I'd love to do this again. Yeah. And like the wall that, like, I, yeah. I could watch it. I yeah. could watch him almost like one of those Bugs Bunny cartoons or Wile E. Coyote where they're building the brick wall As super fast. Yeah, and it was like oh. Oh no! You can't handle honest. Okay, mm. this is not a thing that we're gonna. You're not a safe person, and uh, you're not gonna believe this. We've not connected since. Yeah. I know. I know. And those and those hurt, and they where do. normally you, especially, and other people that are don't like honest conversation, would go that one time that you have someone react that way, and you're like, nope, I was right. I'm gonna keep it all behind my wall, <laughs> and I'm not right. gonna do it. Just dig a deeper hole so all my but feelings can be buried. When you do find one that yeah. does answer your honesty. I mean, yeah. I have a friend recently that we've been friendly. We've had fun. We've done things together. But then we had an honest conversation where I just was at my wits end and I had to share some things and they with open arms accepted it. And I came home that evening tearful, but like, oh, that was amazing Yeah, to know I put myself out there and they accepted me and my yeah. honesty. I mean, it, honest conversations are hard and n- not everyone's going to go well. Yeah. But I, the, it's not even batting average. The people who you, um, who, who stick with you, the people who you cultivate and who become your people, the ones who show themselves as unafraid of those kinds of things it is so much richer and deeper and yeah. better for those to be the people who are my friends, who are the ones who... Even if there's few and far between. Yeah. You don't, you're not supposed to have... It's, it's better. Like, I don't, I don't need... You know, there's th- someone th- who wrote... A, is it a quote or something that talked about how you can't have deep relationships with a bajillion yeah, people? You've got to have... Yeah, there's like the, some sort of scientific sociological thing that like the cap is... 150 people you can really sort of know, but even that's not deep relationships. Right. But there, there's a reason churches sort of stop there. Lots of things stop there is that's the sort of uh, relational kind of ceiling for yeah. lots of things. But it is a, and maybe that's not what you're talking about. No, that is. It was, okay. That you can only be, when we're teenagers, we yeah. think more friends, you know, like, I don't even, teenagers aren't even on Facebook anymore, but like you're looking at the number of friends you have on Facebook and or you know, whatever. There's a max on that, right? That, oh, no, I didn't know yeah, that. Yeah, like you can only have 5,000 friends on Facebook. Oh, I still got some time. <laughs> <laughs> I think I've got like 700 friends, but still. But after, after that, they can follow you, but they aren't your friend. Oh. So Isn't that interesting? It is like, interesting. So like, but like, that's what mattered most to you as a teenager was yeah. the number of friends but they weren't depth no. like it was just shallow friendships yeah. and those still hurt yes. when they weren't blah 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 and they didn't treat you care carefully but but you you want the that's and that that really is i learned most and best from you that dedication to no matter how painful it is and no matter the the problems that come from it the benefits of this far outweigh just uh, telling people what they want to hear. That it's much more important to risk the honest conversation. Uh, and phew, there's truth there for sure. Um, how many have you done? I've already lost track. So you're on your third one now. Okay. Because I've done three. Okay. And they were incredible. <laughs> they were. They've been really good. I just was losing track of what numbers. Because you're wrong. so swept away by my voice. That's exactly what it is. Nailed it. Yes. Um, so this is one that kind of probably echoes a little bit of what you've been, have we've already talked about a little bit. But for me, this is applicable to me specifically. It's make lists. Your brain can't hold it all. It's basically saying it's okay to not be perfect. So I've always had a really strong memory and 
my mother was the list maker because she would be giddy to cross something off her list Amen. to the point where she would add things. If she did something that was not on the list, she yep. would go back and add it to the list so that she could cross it off. Of course. That was my mother. And so I was always in my brain thought I was not my mom. And I got this, my brain, I, I could just remember it. And I did have that ability for a little while. But it was when I was in, it was probably more college. I want to say it was seminary, but really in all honesty, it was in college that I, things would fall through the cracks. <laughs> I'd forget something that yeah. was important. And if I didn't write it down, even so much that in our marriage, you're Mr. List Maker. Yes, and I'd I be am. like, no, I got this, dude. I got this. Almost with an attitude. Yeah. And I say almost, you can erase the almost. It's with an atti- attitude. With an attitude of like, you can do your little list. You, you need, need a list. To. I don't need a list. And there are some times that I don't need lists. Correct. There are some things that I really do a good job of, not photographic memory, but I can remember yeah. and recall some things. You know what you don't have ears for, though? When I point out that you've forgotten something that <laughs> yeah, wasn't on no, your list, you no. don't have an open space. La, 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 I don't hear you. That yeah. Risking that difficult conversation <laughs> has not gone well for me. So you are modeling that part of... Uh, so oh. both of ours kind of go together. They do. They just, they just blend right together. It's, it's beautiful. Yes. Like our love. It's true marriage. Yes, yes, yes. But I, for teenage me, it, there was this sense that I needed to have all my stuff together. And I needed it. I could do all things. I mean, think of the mighty teenage personality that thinks... <laughs> I am master of my domain. I know all things. I can do all things. I mean, gosh, especially when you can drive a car. And we're in a different place because teenagers now think that, I mean, I taught middle schoolers last year. Dude, they think it at like 11, that they are Mac Daddy, know all things. And now I, I'm lost if I don't make lists. Thank goodness you and I share a brain because... You know, with both of us working full time and keeping two churches and all the activities and all the job things, and then our children are in activities and trying mm. to keep all those calendar things, it 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 doesn't get done, or I miss something if I don't make a list. And yep. it's okay to write things down to make sure you're keeping it all together and not just trusting that your brain is always going to be strong and mighty because it's it's not, y'all. We we age and our brains get slower. And we're just not, I probably should have been writing lists down from the very beginning. Probably never had the gift, but. You were going to not be your mom. I was going to not be my mom. And dude, it always happens that you end up being your mother or you're being whatever you think you're not. Yeah. Yeah. Which is also a lesson to your teenage self. (laughs) Yes. Yeah, for sure. All right. My last one. Uh, Our friend Kelly has this phrase that she says all the time and it is, uh, you know, it's so good. And she talks about uh, that you may be the best peach in the world. You can be the juiciest, ripest, best peach there's ever been. The platonic ideal of a peach. There will always be somebody who's just not into peaches. And it's so... What does that mean? Perfectly encapsulate this idea that you... uh, Your job is to more fully be who God has called you to be. And that means that you you don't need to limit or lower yourself or lessen who you are or water down who you are. But we do that in order to gain the approval of people who are not worthy of our time. Yeah. And a teenage me did it. 20-something oh me did it. You know, I mean, like you... I still find my moments where I yes, do it today. Where absolutely. I want to Where be, I'm tempted. Yes. You're tempted to be like, oh, no, but they like this. So I'm going to do this. And then... You try and force yourself into a box that is not you. So the, the, the growth and the maturation of becoming more fully who God has called me to be means that there will be people who are not into that. And I have to be okay with that. Yeah. And... That has been that sort of the the key word and the phrasing about um, nope this is this is a peaches situation yeah helps me to not go this person is less than and you don't like I don't need to go to all of that yeah. but what I can know is what they are looking for is not what God made me to be and you know we get this uh, you get this in all kinds of ways as a as a pastor 
as someone who preaches all the time, there are lots of people who have strong opinions about what kind of preaching they're looking for and what kind of fill in the blank about all the stuff and trying to shape or color who I am away from what I feel like I'm supposed to do and who I'm supposed to be just so that this particular person will approve of, join in, do whatever, um, is just one way that that sort of works itself out of, you know, you may, you can be the best peach in the world and there are people who are not into peaches. You can make incredibly yummy peach cobbler Mm -hmm. that tastes so good, hot out of the oven with vanilla ice cream. And you have people who don't like peaches. I'm, look, I ate it. Okay. It was fine. (laughs) I know, but that's what I'm saying. It was fine. To each his own. It was amazing, but it's okay. It's it's fine. I'm, I'm, your advice is solid. You, yeah. There are people who don't like peaches. You told me you were okay with it. <laughs> I, am. <laughs> I am okay with it. More for you. <laughs> Not upset about it either. Yeah, that's right. Yes. All right. What's your last one? Um. So mine's sort of a little bit lighter. Uh, it's being an adult isn't always fun, so don't race to get there. I yeah. mean, yeah, dude. It being an adult <laughs> is tough. There's some crappy parts. There is not fun pieces. Yep. Being responsible adult is hard. And we, you know, poor Andy. He, he did a phenomenal job in his play at yes, school. Yes, he did. But we had a couple weeks of him really not wanting to practice anymore. Yeah. Yeah. And wanting us to give him an out. And we were like, sorry, bud. This is what you got to do. This you, is responsibility you took on. You made a commitment. You got to do this. Yep. And he did it and did a phenomenal job. But it's a helpful reminder. There are times when, as a teenager, you think you got your stuff together. And I'm racing to be a responsible adult. That Nobody tells you being a responsible adult is not easy. Yep. It is challenging. It is complicated. It has layers. And we're still figuring it out. It's not... And you know, like... There were adults who told us, enjoy the time you oh, have, yeah. you know, so we definitely would not have no, listened I mean, to this. I mean, how many of us told us, oh, watch when you have little babies. Oh, they're going to grow up so fast. Time's going to go. And you're like, yeah, okay. Uh-huh. Yeah. Nope. It's fine. And now we look and go, oh my gosh, just yesterday <laughs> you were in a little baby costume and I can hold you in my arms. And I mean, there's even times our kids will get on their knees to give me a hug so that they're smaller than I am, just so I can reminisce. That moment when they were smaller than I am. Now they're both as tall as I am. I mean, it, it does. Time flies. And basically, enjoy the moment. Enjoy yeah. where you are in the stage that you're in. Be there. Figure it out. Enjoy it. See what God is telling you to do. Adulthood is going to come. And <laughs> it's going to be challenging in its own way. So. Well, that's left me in a really good frame of mind and a good spirit. You've you've really landed on a positive one there at the end. You're you're welcome. Thank you. Have fun. Hey, you know what'll make me happier? What? Our bees knees. Da 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 bees knees. Listen to you. I was trying a little. You thing. did it. I, I love thought about it. doing one with a little bzz, bzz, but then we have know. to workshop that. We we've got to talk to our person. To we do. We have we have an idea about somebody who could do us a jingle. So, uh, bees knees. Every week we do uh, bees knees, which is we pick at least one thing. That uh, or is, some of us can always pick two things because we can't narrow it down to one. And sometimes, and we don't make value judgments based on the <laughs> the quantity we do. Sometimes right, we pick one thing. Sometimes you pick multiple things. Right, it's fine. Uh, so bees knees are our favorite things of this week. Things are making us happy. Things, things we're obsessed with, and we wanted to share because we just can't get enough of. So why don't you go first? I do have more than one again this week. Okay. Because uh, I like my stuff. Uh, one is a pair of flip-flops that I purchased just three days ago called Ufos. O-O-F-O-S. Ufos. Ufos. I even did the little translation thing so I could try to learn how to try, how to say it pronunciation-wise. Uh-huh. But Ufos. Okay. Or Ufos. Just, you know what? Pick one and go. I'm going to go with it. Ufos. But it's a flip-flop, and it's like walking on clouds. And I, if anybody who knows me, my feet don't love being in socks and shoes. We like to be free, Um, partly because I have so many foot problems. Um, But I found these flip-flops. They're amazing. They really, and I'm a heavy person, so walking on clouds, it's not like, it's 
cushier and marshmallowier than Crocs. So that's saying something. Hey-o. And they look like flip-flops. They're not like... I mean, they're... So they're, you wear them to... You've been wearing them around just every about day. everywhere, right? Yeah, I've okay. worn them for three days now, nonstop. Um, awesome. And they're wonderful. They're about 60 bucks, 50 bucks, depending on where you get them from. I need to get myself a navy blue pair for the summer, but... Ufos, flip-flops. I'm obsessed. Uh, my... So my bee's knees, I only have one this week. Uh, I was reading... Surprise, surprise. Listen, I feel things deeply with the one thing I feel. <laughs> I love you. <laughs> Sorry, I can't interrupt. Uh, I was reading the book this week for work um, called The Other Half of Church. And um, talking about the way that our brains help and shape spiritual formation and the thing that's my bee's knees this week is this definition of joy that he had. Now, uh, you know, I preach all the time about joy is different than happiness. You know, in our culture, we act like they're interchangeable. But happiness is, you know, I got a free drink at Starbucks. Happiness is situational. Right. And joy is, is sort of different than that. But their definition of joy is a glad-to-be-togetherness. A sense where you walk into a room and people light up when they see you. Imagine yourself walking into a room of people you love, and when they see you, their eyes light up. That feeling that's oh my in, gosh, Patrick's here. That feeling that's inside of you. That that joy. That a is little jump inside of you. Of, yeah, oh, they're excited that I'm here. Yeah, and uh, so that particular feeling is one of the ways that they define joy. And one of the ways that you can cultivate that joy is by being intentional about articulating that with people in your world. You let them know, I am really happy to see you. And that becomes the basis where other good relational work can happen. Because we all have this sort of innate sense, if you don't, if you, if you, even if you couldn't articulate it, we have this innate sense where we understand if we don't feel like a place is safe, we are not going to open ourselves up in that place. When we are in a place where we are welcomed and they are happy that we are there, we have the opportunity for all kinds of good things, both relational, spiritual, connectional, all kinds of things can happen. And so joy in this type of way is the starting point for that. And I find myself thinking about that and being intentional about that as I am interacting with people of you know, I don't have to be best friends with you to be happy that you're here. You know, I, I, I can be happy that you are here and articulate and show that to you. And so this sense of joy, this definition of joy and how that is kind of shaping how I'm trying to interact with people is my bee's knees for this. That's week. a good one. Uh, so my second bee's knees kind of goes with some of our, my conversation about list making. Uh, we, I am obsessed with a weekly planner calendar it is a little it's like a long rectangle it props itself up on the countertop and it has a slot for every day of the week and it doesn't have dates so you put the number of the day and you put the month on the, on the calendar it's a piece of paper you rotate it around but it has designed we use it for dinner planning we put it half the rectangle for each day i put whatever's happening that day so big events Piper's got a stage crew practice. I've got a meeting at seven. You've got a meeting at two. Like, right. you know, we put those if they're on the calendar so we can see them at a glance. But then I plan what we're doing for dinner. And put it, you put it on the, on the uh, shelf we have right above our countertop. On, right in the kitchen. In the kitchen. By the sink. So everybody can see it. And everybody does make their way by it just to sort of eyeball it and see what's happening that week. It, you know, dinner is the bane of my existence for so many years. I can't stand having to come up with another idea of what to fix and all the pieces. And I love cooking food if you really like it. But if it's only a so-so meal, I if I have a plan in place, then I can make the proper steps to get the groceries that we need or to utilize what we already have in the freezer or refrigerator. But then I don't have to think about it. I can literally put it out of my brain and then... That morning before I leave, as I'm packing up my lunch for the day, I look at it and go, oh, okay, we're going to do something with hamburger. I better pull that out of the refrigerator, out of the freezer, so it can thaw, so that when I get home, I can put it in motion and be made. And it, I don't have to think again. And it is 
been a lifesaver for so long. But even noticing, especially in this past week or two, when we've been really busy, really, really busy, it's it has made life possible. There you go. For us to have it. And we, we laugh, but our kids need it too. Yeah. They like seeing yeah. what we're doing this yeah. week, what we're planning, what we're doing for meals. And they can either prepare themselves for, ooh, <laughs> I'm not going to like Tuesday's meal or... I need to get ready. Here yes, it comes. <laughs> but it's been a lifesaver. And I got it from Target at the time. And it anyway, it has double-sided, so you can use it for a couple of years. And we're going to be replacing this at, when we're done. But it, it's been huge for us, so... Those are, our, those are our bee's knees for this week, and that means we are done with this episode. We are so thankful uh, that you listened, so thankful that you are participating with us. We had another of our tens of listeners email us at devaneworld at gmail.com and offered more good suggestions. And we love hearing from you guys. If there's, I mean, we do receive text messages and conversations for those in person, but for those of you who are not close by, or even if you listen and don't have a close relationship to us, please email and introduce yourself. We would love to know that you are listening and what you think of things. If there's something that you would like us to explore more or deeper, let us know. DevaneWorld at gmail.com. Thanks, you all. Have a great week. We'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.